Attention shoppers, clean up on aisle 14. Clean up on aisle 14. Someone dropped a jar of pickles. Beatboxing at a big box store. Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to Geico. A red minivan has the lights on in the parking lot. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Geico. For Supernatural Girls, real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I am your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host all the way from Tucson, Patricia Kirkman. PK, how you doing? Absolutely fabulously. It's been a wonderful day. No monsoons? It's overcast. It's a little humid, but for us, that's even a neat trick. So, yeah, it's going to rain a little later tonight, but it's been really nice not to be baked every day. (laughs) I know. You guys are up there, 110, 115. So I'm glad that's behind you. Well, no, I was just saying, uh, you know, we got to check in here. The numbers. I mean, what a crazy ride it's been in the world today. So here we are again a week later, but we've got all new numbers to look at. That's right. We're in a brand new month, and the new month is all about our finances, putting things in order, being in charge, being in control. And the best thing I can tell everybody is to remember that the month of August is a review of 2015. So if you had some shake, rattle, and rolls going on at that point in time, let's take a look at it, see what you can fix up or tweak or make better. But like today, today deals with cooperation with associates and being in favor of doing things more of a team, a team uh, type thing, assisting others doing their best. But emotions can be a bit on the tipsy side. So pleasing others is good, but let's not overdo it because I'll know you're faking it. Sharing is a perfect way to assist others. And if you're feeling overly sensitive, just take a deep breath, shake it off and a big smile. That will go a long way when we're looking. And that's helpful. But when we're looking at tomorrow, you can be a dreamer. You can give up whatever you feel like because just allow yourself to be creative and express yourself in a very positive way. You're going to be finding that you're more of a leader doing things that you like to do if you put your best foot forward. And it's going to make you feel good because you're going to feel more grounded. But just don't allow allow that spacey stuff to kind of fluff you off into the wrong space there for a while, especially if you're driving. 
Yeah, feet on the ground, everybody. That's feet right. Ground. Yes. So it takes an, a lot of breathing sometimes for that. <laughs> More than we would like to admit right now. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Well, it sounds like things have calmed down a little bit from what you're sharing with us, and we got to get grounded and take a look at our money situation. That's always fun. So. <laughs> well, it, you know, think of this month as being chairman of the board. You want to be in control of your finances. You want to see what's going on and if you play it straight and play it right you might find out you have some extra money but by month's end oh well now that sounds very good i like Mm -hmm. that i like it i like it yeah thank you pk thank you so much for doing that giving us a heads up now I've got some paranormal news, but before I go there, I just want to let everybody know, in just a few minutes, we are going to bring on the most incredible guest, healer Jerry Wills is with us tonight. And he's the subject of an amazing book called Healer, the Jerry Wills story, which we both read. That was a great book. Very good. I was so fascinated, it's hard to put it down. Oh, I couldn't put it down. It was great. I loved all the healing stories, and Jerry was real forthcoming in the challenges he has faced in his life. So we're going to get to all of that stuff as much as we possibly can squeeze in in this show. And everybody who wants to write in questions in the chat room, feel free to do that. It's irnchat.com, irnchat.com. And now we, oh, you know what? We also have a new advertiser who has joined us. Mm -hmm. This is going to be nice. Yes, he's a medical marijuana consultant. His name is Ezra Parsibach. He is at thehighend.org. Now this man, he knows his stuff. Now in, in Massachusetts, medical marijuana is legal. And I believe CBD oil from hemp is legal everywhere, but he's the one who knows. And he offers consultations, and I believe he also has a high-potency hemp-based CBD oil. You can find out all about him at his website, thehighend.org. The link to his website and a, a video is on our Facebook page. And it's also on our homepage, SupernaturalGirlsWithAZ.com. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter, too, Fringe Files, because we are going to be announcing more and more shows, giving you more paranormal news, and also introducing you to great people like Ezra, who can help you navigate that field. It is, uh, the laws in some places are crazy. He knows what the deal is. He works with people internationally. So feel you know, free to contact him. He's a great guy. That sounds like a great idea for a lot of people that are really unsure or unknown about what it really involves. But also, Patricia, is that going on the website, they can go back. The shows that they happen to miss, they can catch up. Oh, gosh, yes. We've got some amazing guests, mm-hmm. and they're all listed in the archives. So, yes, thanks for saying that, PK. Everybody, be sure to, to just tune into all of them. They all have something special to offer, and certainly our guest tonight has something very special to offer. We are going to just have to fasten our seatbelts. It is going to be a great show. So, another piece of paranormal news. This is a wild one. Dr. Ian Stevenson, he was a psychiatrist. Unfortunately, he's passed away, or I would have him on the show for next week. 
but he passed away, and so far I haven't figured out a way to get dead people on the shelf. So, well, hey, you never know; he may have already entered someplace else. He may have. He may That's have. Right. But one of the things that he found, he did a lot of studies on past life, and he found that people who came in with birthmarks mm-hmm. and deformities, that these were related to how the person passed away in a past life. And he was able to prove it. It was amazing. So he wrote a whole book about this stuff. And he investigated, I believe it was thousands of people, he was able to prove this because people who had memory of their past lives, he could go back and pull the records on those people that passed away. And there were the injuries, exactly Mm -hmm. mirroring the birthmarks they had or the deformities they had. I mean, that's incredible. I don't know why we didn't hear this guy before. Well, you know, it, I found it so fascinating when I was reading it because the, when they were talking about the ages of two to three or four where they could remember the past lives, but after that, they kind of shut it down. Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah, there's not a lot of support for that, is there? <laughs> I, I, well, I'm just afraid they're going to want to come back, grow up, and collect what they left behind. <laughs> but he has written a number of papers and a book, and it's he has one paper, for example, Birthmarks and Birth Defects Corresponding to Wounds on Deceased Persons. Amazing how, I know he, inve- he investigated in this particular article, 210 children, and he was able to draw that link each and every time. So that's an amazing, an amazing body of research that he left behind. And again, I just wish he was still with us because I'd bring him on the show in about a New York minute. But anyways, if you're interested, read his book. And again, the name uh, of his name is Dr. Ian Stevenson. And look up reincarnation research. It is fascinating. Mm-hmm. That it Lots- is. Yes, there's been lots of UFO sightings, more than ever before, and I hope some some of them are going to land somewhere, pictures will be taken that can't be refuted. We can't wait for the government to disclose anything. So <laughs> We can't get old enough to wait for them to do no, that. <laughs> it's not going to happen, but we're going to no. talk to Jerry, our guest, about UFOs, too, because he's had some encounters. So, anyways... I am going to tell you all about Jerry in about one second. I want to let you guys know this is a very, again, a very, very special man. He has a unique abilities. I've worked with a lot of healers through the years, but, but he's amazing. And he, his gift goes way beyond anybody who I've ever met before. Now, he said for as long as he can remember... He saw and felt life force essence. But during his early years, of course, he got scolded for it. Again, no support for this stuff, even now. And he learned to keep his intuitive flashes and comments to himself. But the Great Spirit had other plans for him. And during a near-death experience, he was told he had one more chance to use his healing abilities for the good of humankind. So we are... So lucky tonight and so blessed to have him with us. So, Jerry, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Well, my goodness, what an amazing life you've had. But I want to start at the beginning because in the book you created this 
this mystery that I feel needs to be solved. Where in the world was your father, who is in the military, and again, you were adopted, your adopted father took you to these military installations deep in the earth down in Florida. Now, did you ever find out what they were really up to with you? No, I, I really never figured that part out at all. It was very strange. There were other things that happened, too, that were equally odd. Uh, he apparently was involved with the Masons in some capacity. I was about five years old and four or five. I remember being taken down in an elevator to a, a large room in a building in Denver. And I was then put in a one-piece jumpsuit, uh, walked out onto the stage at a microphone and was told what to say. <clears throat> instructed, you know, uh, what what to say. And everyone thought that was really pretty amazing, that, that it was a really great thing, but I haven't got a clue what that was about either. How strange. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's, uh, again, you were abandoned as an infant, but mm -hmm. you were uh, eventually adopted by two loving parents. Your father, adopted father in the military, taking you on these summer excursions to top-secret facilities, apparently. And you never knew what it was about. But after your father passed away, your mother put her foot down because they were going to try to take you. Right? right. Yeah, I remember that happening very clearly. Gosh. Just, a few, just a few days after he died. So they show up at your door and they tell your mother, we're going to take him. And she said, forget about it. Right? Yeah, well, she said, no, he's my son. You're not taking him anywhere. Get out of my house. Good <clears throat> for her. Well, there were these guys, <clears throat> excuse me, these guys in, in uniform with a lot of, you know, regalia on their uniforms, and soldiers were with them, and some other plain clothes, smartly dressed guys in blackout, you know, dark suits were with them with dark hats. And it was a very small doorway. They had to walk downstairs and open the door and come in. So she just sort of went right up to him, charging after him, saying, no, you're not, and get out of my house. And they were basically, we'll be back. And they were backing Ooh. out. And it was shortly after that that we left. I mean, within a day or two, left. And then, um, well, we ended up in Kentucky. Well, thank goodness your mom stood aground and protected you because it sounds like they had other plans for you. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the idea was they wanted me to go to some special school. And then I was going to go to the Air Force Academy and then I don't know what else. Uh, I remember these sort of things being talked about, but I really don't know what the... Uh, the details were, honestly, I, I was too young to really comprehend all of it. Do you think that they chose you for for your abilities, or do you think they wanted to create your having these abilities? No, I think they chose me for some reason that, you know, is really difficult to, to say. You know, when when I was, um, you know, <laughs> I was dropped off in an empty farmhouse 
And the Army Air Corps, a bunch of soldiers, went there and retrieved me and took me to Fort Knox and kept me there until I was handed over to this man and woman. And um, you know, something was going on then. So it's it's a very strange story. And, you know, I, I don't have any any proof about any of it. Uh, a lot of my information is anecdotal. So I don't know what what the... Uh, the real backstory is in in actuality. I just know bits and pieces. Wow. Well, I I was transfixed by your telling that story in the first part of the book. It mm -hmm. really caught my attention. I was like, what in the world was the military doing to you? And at such a young age, you were three, four, or five years old, right? Well, at that point when he died, I was seven. Hmm. I had turned seven in September, and this was in December that he passed away. Wow. Well, it's it's just an amazing landing. <laughs> Def, definitely that. You had to How did they even know that you were there as a child in this farmhouse? You know, what drove, drove them to the farmhouse? Did they ever tell you? Well, the story goes something like this. They had been given a tip that I was going to be left there. And the Army being what it is with military intelligence, <clears throat> they showed up 12 hours late, and by the time they arrived, I was frostbit over most of my body. Oh, my. Oh, lucky you survived that. Gee. Yeah, I don't remember any of that, really. Um, you know, just flashes. The, the thing that brought it into greater focus for me was uh, in Tempe, Arizona. I was doing a, a talk for MUFON, I think it was. And this very old gentleman came up to me dressed in his military attire and said that he wanted to shake my hand and meet me. And so, well, of course, you know, let's go outside and talk. And he says, well, I don't have much to say. He says, I just wanted to meet you. I was there when they retrieved you. Oh, my. That's fabulous. And he said it was, uh, he named the project. He says it was part of Project something or another. <laughs> <laughs> You've got oh. a name for everything, don't they? <laughs> they? They do. And that's why I don't pay much attention to it. Because mm -hmm. it's... It's you know usually kind of silliness and sometimes an acronym that doesn't mean anything. Yes, that is what they do. So my thank goodness you, that your mom kept you out of their clutches, so that you could go on and live a semi-normal life. But my goodness, you had this ability from you were from when you were very very young, and not only an ability with healing, but you also, which I was thrilled to read, had quite. An ability to speak to animals. Oh yeah, the, you know, early on, I didn't know. <clears throat> I didn't know some of these things weren't just normal. So I was seeing people on the other side. I had precognition; things were going to happen. Um, I'd get hurt. I'd heal within a few hours instead of a few weeks. Um, just very strange sometimes it was bothersome at night because i would hear people thinking hear people talking oh, my goodness <laughs> see things that other people couldn't see so i had kind of like a smorgasbord of psychic phenomena happening around me 
and it was constant. It wasn't just, you know, once in a while. So talking with animals was a really easy thing because they're a lot calmer usually and a lot simpler in the way they think and the way they communicate. My favorites were dogs or horses. Cows are pretty stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah, unfortunately. Um, Birds were amazing. Made friends with lots of birds. Squirrels, they were they were kind of curious. Mice, mice were interesting. The thing that I learned, you know, in retrospect from from all of these encounters with animals, is something that really goes against what most people think. Most folks don't attribute emotions and and thoughtfulness to animals, but it's it's not true. Animals think. They have emotions, they have ties to their children, and they love life. It's one of these things that, you know, they're a, they're a living thing. They have their own unique way of experiencing it, but animals experience love and fear and dislike, mistrust or trust. They experience all these things whether it's a bird or a dog or a cow or a horse, any of these things, they, they all have an emotional body. And the, that, that aspect of their existence isn't that much different than our own. Their problem is, is that we seem to be at the top tier of, of existence, and there's a lot of trust that has to occur for them to get near us or they just learn to be near us, but never really learn to trust us. Mm, that's sad. Fortunately, that's true of people, too. Oh, yes. yeah, it is. I mean, you find mm-hmm. similarities across the board. Mm-hmm. So in my experience, I could move my thoughts into theirs and experience what they were experiencing. It was a lot easier than people at the time and a lot cleaner. And... I, I was able to gather or garner rather the trust of animals, and I still do. I, I walk into a place, and animals like me. One of the more bizarre things that I've done in my career as a healer was going to um, this uh, wildlife zoo up in uh, the Verde Valley here in Arizona. They had a mountain lion that was sick, and they didn't know what was wrong. They also had a 20-foot Burmese python that wasn't eating, that was very distraught. And they also had an African uh, black mamba uh, viper Wow. that was having trouble. And <clears throat> my, my first stop was with the boa, or I'm sorry, the, the python. And within two or three minutes, the python and I became great friends. And then uh, I went on to the uh, the viper. It's it, the head of this snake was as big as my hand. Oh it's my no wonder God. it's one of the more dangerous snakes in the yeah, world. Yeah, and they're super poisonous. Yeah, they they're very poisonous. Um, anyway, I was handed this snake, and they said, "Hold it behind the head like this. You don't want it to bite you." All right. So oh, I they did. wanted you to hold it. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. That oh, would be God. feet don't fail me now. Yeah. Well, no, it, it wasn't they wanted me to. I wanted to. Oh, you oh. did. Oh, bless I, your heart. I, you know, if I'm, oh, if I'm, yeah. I wanted to merge with this, with this being. So they had me kind of pinching between my, my pointy finger and my thumb in my right hand to hold the head of the snake and hold its body otherwise. And it was a very stiff situation. I didn't like it. So I relaxed after I'd merged with it. Snakes think way differently than people. And after I'd merged with it, I just released it. And it just stayed here in my hand, went to sleep, and I was able to do what I needed to do. And I said, all right. After about 10, 15 minutes, I handed the snake, you know, you can take the snake now, it's fine. And they came and took it. But they were freaked out because I had let loose of this. I bet they were freaked out. <laughs> God, this is the snake I... that killed someone in Kill Bill. I, that's how I know about Black Mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Very, very deadly and quickly deadly. Well, the uh, mountain lion was actually the most disturbing because when I worked on the mountain lion, it was sick under some um, creosote bushes out in a field. And, of course, it's all fenced in. It couldn't get out. So I went over there with them. There's like four people with long sticks and, you know, tranquilizer gun, the whole bit. And they said, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, yeah, I think so. Let's just find out how it goes. I'd never been that close to a, a big cat before. But I don't approach things with fear. It's just another animal, just like a puppy to me. (laughs) So I walked over. It's lying there, and it's sick. I could see that it was sick. I could see the field around it. So I knelt down, and I started talking to it, told it who I was and what I was going to do, and not to be afraid. And it made a guttural noise in its throat a couple times. And in my mind, it was like, thank you. So I put my hand on its on its side, where right near where its liver was at, because that's where the disturbance was in the field. Mm-hmm. And there, of course, the handlers are like freaking out. They're they're <laughs> like holding their breath. And <laughs> I worked on this cat for about ten or fifteen minutes. And when I finished, I said, "I think that you're going to be fine now. I'm going to remove my hands. There's nothing for you to be afraid of." You're going to be all right. So I moved my hands away very slowly and just remained there uh, on my knees. And the cat opened its eyes for a moment and immediately, in in just a flash, had its face right up next to mine. (laughs) And opened its mouth. Opened its mouth and made a snarly sound, very deep throaty snarly sound. Licked its lips and laid its head back down. <laughs> and so I got up very slowly and I walked away. The handlers were just shaking. I passed by a passed by a three-legged um, large bobcat that was just trying to get to me. It was on the other side of the fence asking me for help because its leg was hurt. And I tried to help it. I said, I need some time. 
to reorganize myself and then I'll try to help you. But it's strange, you know, I got outside of the enclosed area, went back, Kathy's watching the entire time. And as soon as I got outside of that last gate, I started shaking crazy bad. <laughs> oh, wow. At some level, it really shook me up inside. Ah. And, you know, I, I wasn't able to work on the lions or the tigers. Um, I, it, it just, something just sort of shifted in me that was like, okay, you best, you best stop now. And so I did. But all three of the animals survived. You know, last I know, anyway, they're still fine. I, I haven't been back over there in quite a few years, so I don't know what the deal is. But I did hear that they were getting better and they were going to be fine. Oh, that's good. Yes, and you survived, too. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Now, what was Kathy doing? Was she holding her breath through this? I mean, she's watching you. Well, she's looking from the other side of the stand of creosote bushes she couldn't see through it all she saw was me kneeling down and disappearing and then after <laughs> that a time, would be scary in itself then <laughs> standing up and looking over at her and smiling and nodding my head and then walking and a, you know a small group of people with all kinds of things to ward off an attack walking with uh, backwards as I'm walking forward so that they can watch this cat that doesn't come out and try to charge or something. Right. It, it yeah. didn't. But, what an uh, experience, Jerry. Oh, my goodness. That's got to be the trippiest one, working with animals. I've worked on gigantic horses. I've had a horse that everybody was afraid of that... I was working on this. Do you want to hear this? Oh, yes. Our audience loves animals. So okay. I, we're well, going to have to take a, a short break in a couple minutes, but we can get started on the story, and then we'll return to it. Well, there. I went to work on this, um, this one horse that had a sore shoulder. And as I'm working on this horse, and it's communicating with me what's going on, it was a real sweet energy. There was another horse that used to be a rodeo horse. It was one of these high-dollar rodeo horses, but it had been mistreated most of its life, and now it doesn't like people at all. Mm. The horse's name was Quasar. Beautiful animal. Really big, beautiful animal. And as I'm working on this, I hear clankety-clank, clankety-clank. Well, this horse is trying to get out of its stall, and it finally figured out how to move its tongue to open up the gate. <laughs> so the gate opens and the gal that's there, uh, the, the gal that owned this horse I was working on was standing there and she goes, uh-oh, Quasar's out. Okay, so everybody hold that thought. We are going to come back and hear what happened with Quasar being out. And we are speaking tonight with a tremendous guest. His name is Jerry Wills. He's a healer. He's the focus of a book called Healer, The Jerry Wills Story. Excellent book. You should all go out and get it. And you are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. We will be right back.
listening to IRN, the Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois. You didn't forget what's coming up tonight, did you? Hi, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Never miss that interview you were looking forward to or the show on your favorite topic. Follow IRN on Twitter. I underscore R underscore N and get reminders about the evening's live shows as well as fun and important updates throughout the week. That's I underscore R underscore N and never miss a great show again. Hi, can you hear my voice? Imagine how many other people can hear it too. If you have advertising needs, then look no further. The Inception Radio Network currently has openings for on-air advertisements and radio show sponsorships. Given any thought to your target demographic? Inception has you covered there, too. Advertising on a network gives you multiple opportunities to advertise on a wide variety of radio show broadcasts, and we have one to fit every advertising need. You know, in recent years, Internet radio has exhibited a phenomenal listener growth. An Arbitron Edison survey shows that online radio boosts at least 33 million unique visitors each week and 54 million each month. And that number amazingly continues to grow. And these listeners are a part of many businesses' core demographics. And surveys have shown that Internet radio listeners are far more likely than regular radio listeners to spend money on a whole range of activities. You know, Internet listeners vote, they dine out and eat fast food, and they grab a cup of coffee. And here's the interesting one. They buy items online at a much higher rate than all other market segments combined. Internet radio also enables businesses to connect with consumers during work hours, where increasingly more lifestyle decisions are being made. Advertise with the best. The Inception Radio Network offers competitive advertising rates to fit just about anyone's advertising budget. Stop by today at www.inceptionradionetwork.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-919-2355. Get the word out. Get results with the Inception Radio Network. Are you a fan of Inception Radio Network? Do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet? Well, if you do, head to facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word, and keep listening to the best. Hello, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Remember, you can take your Inception Radio shows on the go. Just download the Inception Radio Network app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android smartphones and access live shows, past shows, guest lineups, and much more. Just visit the iTunes Store or the Google Play Marketplace and download it today for free. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. 
Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host from Tucson, PK, and our incredible guest tonight. We are so honored to have him with us. Healer Jerry Wills is with us tonight, and he is in the middle of telling us a story. We are on the edge of our seats because Quasar, the unfriendly quarter horse, has broken out of his pen. So please... Tell us what happened next. Huh. Well, of course, this gal must have known more about Quasar than me because she got this frightened look on her face. And this when she says, Quasar doesn't like doesn't like humans. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll he'll walk up behind you and bite your arm or bite your shoulder or do something to hurt you or kick you. She's telling me all these things. And I thought, wow, really? <laughs> Must be really unhappy, really angry about something. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was thinking, oh, maybe I better be careful. <clears throat> Excuse me. Rod Haber, who wrote the book about me, was there as well. And when I'm working on this horse, I basically got it to a point. It went from limping to where I said, all right, let the horse you know, go. Well, before all that happened, Quasar walked up behind me and kind of nuzzled under my right shoulder blade, just gently. And I'm working on this other horse, and I didn't pay any attention to it. And there it was again. So I stopped, and I turned around, and I said, Quasar, I'm trying to help your friend here. Give me just a moment. And I'll work with you as well. It'll be fine. Don't be afraid. And it shook its head, yes. <laughs> <How about that? laughs> and, wow. it, and it took four or five steps backwards, just waited, like over here in the shade. I was standing mostly in the sun. So I finished up with the horse, and uh, the gal took him to a, a large circular riding arena thing. I don't know what they're called. And the horse took off, is running and jumping and rolling and having a grand old time. So it felt better. <clears throat> Quasar is standing there in the shade. I said, all right, come here. And it walked right over. Well, Rod's watching this. He's never seen anything like this before. And the gal is now over there with this other horse. And I said, where does it hurt? And it just sort of nodded its head and put its head down. So I put my hand on its head and the other hand on its neck. And then I started feeling into Quasar, and I could tell right away that its back was hurt. I said to Quasar what I thought was wrong, and it nodded its head slowly. So I put my hands on its back and ran my hands along its its lengthy spine. And at one time, at one point in time, I said, Quasar, I need you to take a deep breath 
and lit it out. And immediately, Quasar took a really, really deep breath and puffed it out. That's <laughs> you see. And I said, Quasar, that wasn't deep enough, and you puffed it out too quickly. Try that again. And so I'm still working on SPAC. It took a, a really deep breath and slowly exhaled. Rod was absolutely awestruck. <laughs> he, he said, the horse understands you. And I said, well, good. <laughs> so I worked on this horse for about 20 minutes. And Quasar told me that it was feeling better. Its back wasn't hurting. There was a man there who showed up and wanted to know what I was doing with Quasar. And, of course, Rod told him. And the man says, I've never seen Quasar act like this around anyone. How is this possible? I can't even get around Quasar. The guy owned Quasar. <laughs> and Rod says, well, Jerry has a way with animals, and he's trying to help Quasar feel better. He says, well, I'm really interested in getting rid of Quasar. Do you think you'd want him? And Rod says, well, I don't think he could afford to buy Quasar. This is an expensive quarter horse. So when I finished, I told Quasar, all right, go on and walk around and see how it feels. And Quasar went for a walk, which strolled around this whole area before he coming back. The man tells me if I want Quasar, I can have him free. Oh, wow. Great. I've never, I've never seen anything like this. So I got Kathy on the phone, and I said, you'll never guess what happened. This fellow gave me Quasar. Quasar is this award-winning, super expensive quarter horse. He said I could have him. She says, what are you going to do with a horse? And I said, I, I don't know, but I like Quasar. She says, well, what, what are you going to do? You can't put him in the backyard. I said, I think we could probably figure it out where he could probably just stay in the house part of the time. <laughs> she says, that isn't going to happen. You can't have a horse. Oh, that's too bad. The father of the woman that owned the horse I'd worked on, was uh, they were from Wyoming. No, no, Montana. And I hung up the phone. He had joined in talking to Rod now, amazed that this horse was walking so well. And I told Rod, I can't have Quasar. Kathy says, I can't bring him home. And Rod says, well, where would you put him? So well, I don't know, but I've never had a horse before, and Quasar is really cool. <laughs> so the guy, wanted to know, <laughs> the guy wanted to know what's going on. We filled him in on the details between Rod and I. He says, so the guy gave you this horse? I said, yeah, he gave me the horse. I don't know. Well, Kathy says, I can't have him. He says, well, I have a ranch up in Montana, and it's just for horses. If you want, I'll take Quasar up there and turn him loose. He can be on the range. Oh, how nice. So I had a talk with Quasar about it, and Quasar really wasn't too sure about the whole deal, but I said, look, you know, really, this is good. It's going to be cold sometimes, but you're a horse. You'll like it. So Quasar agreed. 
the man loaded him up and loaded up the other horse. The papers were signed, and the guy took him up to Montana. I haven't seen Quasar since. It's been several years now. But I had a feeling that uh, I did hear from him, and he said Quasar was very happy. Oh, that's that's good. Oh, neat. Yeah. Happy happy ending. Oh, like happy endings, especially with animals. That's wonderful. Well, we've got a question for you, Jerry, from the chat room about this. Uh, Denise would like to know, what advice can you give for communication with animals? What's the best technique? Projecting words or pictures to them or something else? Projecting emotions. Mm. Most most of the time when I am working with any kind of a, a, a critter, the first thing that happens is that they don't know how to communicate with you. And so there's a frustration there, just like there is for you, that there, you've got a frustration. I don't know what to do here. So the first level, I should probably do a class on this. Yes. The first first level is really get clear within yourself. What are your emotions? Where are you at? Because animals are like people. They don't want you to be all feeling sorry for them and making them feel like I'm a good guy and I'm going to help you. And, you know, I mean, they, they want to be treated as an equal. So be clear on your emotions. And then when you are, project your emotions towards them just with breathing there's nothing that you say just start feeling compassion and gratitude and just breathe and just project that towards the animal and then start talking to them if they don't know you then tell them who you are they'll understand get a picture in your mind of of what you're thinking you know I understand you got something wrong I only want to help you there's no need to be afraid. Because in, in the art of healing, the very first thing that you do, whether it's for people or for animals, is you bring peace. Everything follows from that. Mm. And when you bring peace and you come up to the animal, then start feeling love. You know, when, when you feel like you're loved, how good that feels? Mm-hmm. Animals feel it much more dramatically than we do. They feel it in a very pure sense. And if you can feel that kind of love when you're touching them, put your fingers on them, put your hands on them, and just stop for a moment. Don't worry about what you're there for. Don't be concerned about what you're trying to trying to help. Be concerned about the soul, about the essence of this creature. And just breathe it into yourself. Just take a deep breath and just feel it. What is it like to be this animal? To be so vulnerable in the hands of this powerful person that's standing here. Bring peace. And then, after that, then do the work that you're there to do. And what you'll probably find if you're successful is that the animal will be experiencing such peace that it'll want to sleep. It'll just close its eyes and go, just remain very still. Don't do anything to disturb that. And when you finish, you feel that you finished, then take another breath, and you know you're finished. 
convey that emotion and just tell this this creature, I'm done now. I think you're going to be all right if you think that. Or I've done the best that I can do. I only wanted to help you. And just say, I'm going to take my hands off of you now. I'm finished. Ah, well, it's, it's, it sounds like an, an easy process to follow, but I, I hope you will do a class for people on it. I know there's so many people interested in being able to communicate with their, their pets and their farm animals and, and just animals in general. It'd be a great class. And people can find, just so this is a great time to mention where to mm-hmm. find you, people can find you at jerrywills.com on the Internet, where you do offer classes. You also offer private healing so that people can call you and schedule an appointment and also have the experience of a healing directly with you. They don't have to be in your presence. You can do this on the phone, right? I do it all the time for people worldwide. That's wonderful. That's so nice to know. And people are going to really be able to take advantage of this now to to know that you're there to offer this to them. Yeah, sure. they don't have to be in, in, in uh, Arizona to get this. So also, uh, Lisa has a question. She would like to know, do you feel any burden to having this healing ability? No. You know, the burden, original burden, if we can call it that, <clears throat> was not knowing what to do. Have, having the ability is just as natural for me as breathing or eating or whatever, but... The real burden was feeling intimidated to be myself. And there was a great lesson that I had to learn with all of that. You know, if you if you aren't being yourself, who are you being? You know, take a look at what mask you are putting up in front of your face. Who are you trying to please? If you're not being yourself, who are you? Mm-hmm. Um, that burden was something I carried with me until I was 43, 44 years old because I was always around a spouse or friends who thought that I was just goofy. (laughs) (laughs) Now your spouse didn't think that. Oh, yes. <laughs> Not this one. <laughs> Not this one. No, in, my, in a previous previous marriage, it was basically, you know, I don't want to hear about that stuff. I don't like that stuff. It's a bunch of goofy people doing this stuff and <laughs> all this. You know, I don't believe in any of it. Of course, whenever I needed to use it to help her or a family member, it was quite useful, and it was mm-hmm. usually well-received. But beyond that, no, it is... You're not going to be working on people. Who do you think you are? So, you know, I felt very intimidated. Couldn't talk about it. Couldn't be me. That finally came to an end. And within a few months, I met Kathy. And, you know, without going into a lengthy thing about it, the the bottom line is is that Kathy had a first-hand experience with me, and it was nothing serious. She hurt her finger, and I made it better right away. I thought she was cute, and I liked her smile. <laughs> and I, I guess I was trying to impress her a little. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sounds that way. <laughs> but, Kath, you know, and I, my background is in electronics. I owned my own company and was doing pretty well. Had been for many years, 
And Kathy says, this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. And I said, yeah, I know, but I don't know what else to do. She says, well, you're supposed to be fixing people, not machines. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, sure. How do I do that? And besides, people think I'm goofy. She <laughs> says, so she basically, in, in a metaphoric manner, she took my hand and walked me through the process mm-hmm. and brought me to this side of the equation. It's because I believed in her that I took a chance, walked away from all of that, and started doing this. Well, thank you, Kathy. That's right. It's a <laughs> blessing for the rest of us, that's, that's for sure. Right. That's right. Well, that's that's it's why wonderful. I tell people that she's the most amazing person I've ever met. And she's my hero. She's because of what she did, there are literally thousands of people that don't have anything wrong with them after I've worked with them because if I hadn't been there to do that then their story would have turned out much much differently it certainly would have now you're leading me right where I want to go with you into (laughs) your work with healing people Uh, some of these stories all the stories in the book were Mm -hmm. it brought me to tears I I mean there was one especially I found touching about the little girl that had leukemia, and she was at death's door. You said death was there when you walked into that hospital room. But you were able to do something totally miraculous. Well, let's make sure we clarify what I'm doing and what happens as a result of the presence of the Creator. I, I don't know what God is. I really don't. I'm not a religious person. I'm not a saint. I'm a sinner. Uh... I'm not. I'm not the guy in, in the white hat, really. I, I'm not in the black hat either. But I'm, I'm just a, a person who falls down and makes mistakes and says things they shouldn't and eats hot dogs and sometimes I'll have a shot of scotch. You know, I'm, I'm not living that pure essence life that is like, oh, I'm just so holy and special. That's a bunch of hooey to me. I'm, I'm just a person. Well, human. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, about this little girl, um, her name is Natalie. I was asked by the grandmother if I would help. There was nothing the doctors could do. She had, uh, she had childhood leukemia. She had been given multiple treatments of radiation she was in pain when she was conscious she's very weak and would i please go and help her and you know this this was one of those things that you it was like my first visit to a hospital to help someone really and i said sure you know i mean if i don't try how will i know so I uh, I went. When I got into the room, here was this cute little girl with a couple of little wisps of hair in her head, asleep with a tube poked in the side of her neck and, you know, bags hanging and she's just there. And the mother and father were getting a divorce 
the grandma and grandpa were there. And I'm looking at this little girl thinking, all right, what the hell do I do now? Because I don't have a clue. And this was pretty early on when I started working with, with people, you know, in, in a capacity where I was putting myself out there a little bit, in, you know, not publicly big time, but just, yeah, okay, I'll try and see what happens. Right. I walked over to the door, closed it, and I said, <laughs> I don't know why, I said, I don't want this door to open until I'm finished. <clears throat> and I started working on her. I just took a couple of deep breaths, put my my hand on her stomach and my other hand on her head. And it's as though fire was racing through me. Well, she was on morphine and um, she wasn't waking up, of course. And I, I worked on her for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And the room became unbearably hot. And, of course, I'd instructed to mom and dad to hold hands and just feel love for their daughter. And the grandma and grandma to do the same thing. And when I finished, I was so loopy. But Natalie woke up. So you were, you were loopy from the contact with the morphine in her system? Well, in my way of thinking, the morphine was causing its own unique problems. So I absorbed mm -hmm. it into me. There's no way to validate that, but that's just what my thinking was. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Well, she woke up, and, what I, and they asked, what did you see? And I said, well, and I told them a few things, and that the feeding tube had a accumulation of yeast and bacteria there was bacteria in her blood there was and I just listed off these things and then I went I said okay I'm done I just need to go have a cigarette that's what I do so I was going to go have a cigarette but I couldn't even get very far I was sitting in the nurse's station just loopy and the doctor the parents, of course, the doctor came in, talked to the parents. The doctor came over, talked to me. He says, so what did you see? And so I told him. And he says, how do you know this? And I said, because I could see it. And he says, well, I don't know how you could know any of this. And I said, well, I don't either. But I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not feeling all that chatty right now. <laughs> and he says, well, let, let me explain. We just got the blood test back. She does have yeast in her blood. And uh, and he told me the things that I had said were exactly the ulcer in her stomach, the accumulation of bacteria at this other point. And he says, I, I'm real surprised. I've never encountered anyone like you. And I said, well, I'm nothing special. I just happen to see things. I said, but here's what's going to happen. If you want her to survive, here's my suggestion of what you would do. He says, did you tell the parents this? And I said, no, I haven't had a chance to. I was feeling too loopy. So, but here's what you should do. Get that tube out of her, because by tomorrow she's going to be hungry and wanting to eat. 
and that tube is nasty. It's causing a problem in her stomach. So you need to do something about that too. Anyway, I gave him these details. Apparently he did it. I did this on Good Friday. And then I left and went home. I figured, I'll never hear from him again. I hope she's all right. I got a call Saturday night. Natalie had made a remarkable recovery. They couldn't find any evidence of cancer in her at all. Oh, fabulous. They had taken out the feeding tube. She was very hungry the next morning. And they'd stopped the morphine. She wasn't in pain. She'd slept all night long after I worked on her. The first time she'd slept all night long in months. And on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, the family was coming to see her in the hospital. Would I please be there? I know it's Easter Sunday, but we'd really like you to be there. So I went. Now, before you go any further, <laughs> <Another cliffhanger. laughs> we are going to have to take a short commercial break and come back and hear the rest of the story and what happened to Natalie. This is so exciting. I love this. So, everybody, stay tuned. We are speaking with Jerry Wills. He is a healer and the focus of a great book called Healer, the Jerry Wills Story. Stay tuned, everybody. You're listening to Supernatural Girls Radio, and we'll be right back. You're listening to IRN, the Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois. Inception Radio Network listeners, this is Amanda. Just a reminder that Inception Radio Network is on Twitter. Follow us at I underscore R underscore N and keep up to date about who's on tonight, what interviews they'll be doing, who's guest spotting, what topics they'll be covering. Tweet to us, tweet about us, retweet topics to your friends, and most importantly, never miss a great show again. That's I underscore R underscore N. computer? Is your internet connection down? Don't worry. Use your trusty cell phone or landline and call into our listen line at 401-283-6700 to listen to the Inception Radio Network 24-7. Again, that call-in number is 401-283-6700. For the Inception Radio Network, I am MJ. Inception Radio Network. Would you like your favorite show to be played again live on air? Hello, I'd like to deposit this to checking. Fate is a fickle master. What? The future is uncertain. Okay, and what's my account balance? Ah, the horizon is cloudy. I see a long, treacherous voyage Um, filled with great peril. Look, can I just get a deposit slip or something? A fortune bank teller. Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. I see a yellow-eyed serpent and a low APR. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Well, now the choice is in your hands. With IRN's live request portal, an easy way to request your favorite show with a simple click. IRN's live request portal now gives you exclusive access to all the shows. 
How easy is it? Simply type a show name or a guest name, click request, even write a dedication message, and that's it. Try it now. Simply visit InceptionRadioNetwork.com, click on the Live Request tab under the show menu. Now playing your favorite show is just a mouse click away. Are you a fan of Inception Radio Network? Do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet? Well, if you do, head to facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word, and keep listening to the best. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With cosmic fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, The Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I'm here with my co-host, PK, and our most incredible guest, healer, Jerry Wills. And Jerry, you were going to visit Natalie in the hospital on Easter Sunday when we had to take a break. What happened? It was amazing, and it really made a tear in my eye. I got to her room before anyone else did. She was standing in front of a mirror wrapping a scarf around her head. She was going to walk downstairs and greet her family in the atrium of the hospital. And she was excited to do so. I got to meet all of her family. They all saw her standing there and they were all giving her hugs. And I just backed away slowly, slowly, slowly and turned and walked away. And I haven't seen her since, but I do know that it never came back and that she now has graduated from Arizona State University and she has a family of her own. Oh, oh. wonderful. Another Those are the kind of stories. Yeah, that's great. Yes. And you know, there was one more element of the story I found quite interesting because you said you closed the door to the room and you said, I don't want this door to open until I'm done. But yet, after you were done, one of the nurses said to you, who locked this door? I couldn't get in, and I was knocking on the door, right? But there was no lock on the door. 
Now, there's no lock on the door, and she wasn't able to push it open. I can't explain that. That is there, right. There was nothing blocking it. <laughs> oh, yes, there was. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, you're right. <laughs> well, I want to encourage people to reach out to you, Jerry, for their own personal healing. And again, you can find a way to contact Jerry and schedule your own appointment at jerrywills.com. And his wonderful wife, Kathy, will help you with that. And I had a wonderful experience, Jerry, with you yesterday when you very generously and graciously offered to help me. When you heard me ask, you responded immediately and said you would do what you can. And most of the audience knows I have an autoimmune disease called scleroderma, which is potentially deadly and very painful. And you gave me such great information about what to do and where this may have come from. It was a real eye-opener. And as I mentioned, I've worked with a lot of healers through the show and throughout my life. And I was so impressed with the experience. And as you mentioned on the break, you have a wonderful, gentle, and laid-back way of approaching this. And it allowed me enough space to kind of think more on it, feel more on this whole experience of being ill and what I needed to do to turn it around. So uh, this is just a great experience. Again, I can't say enough wonderful things about the time I spent with you yesterday. It was tremendous. Thank you so much. Oh, it was a privilege. Thank you for allowing me to help you. Well, it was great. And there was one big takeaway I do want to share with all the other people that I've talked to about autoimmune diseases, because you said something and it, it triggered something in my mind. And that is simply that the stress factor that we're all under a lot of stress. But some of us, when we get under stress, we get stuck there. Mm hmm. And it doesn't shut down. And that's when I think a lot of these other symptoms come forward. And it's like being on a racetrack and you can't shut it down easily. <laughs> but you were, you were wonderfully helpful and so insightful. And again, I just can't thank you enough for uh, your time yesterday. And again, I encourage anybody and everybody who would like to have a healing experience with you to please go ahead and make that call you will not be sorry you will be very happy with your experience of jerry so just wanted to share that that was a great time yesterday i'll be calling in the morning yeah <laughs> there you go there's another person that's going to going to have a great healing experience with you and you've had so many experiences that have been wonderful with people but there are times that you can help and and there are times that you can't Oh, sure. You know, I think the only person, no, I don't know if it's a person, the, the only way I could actually be the person that could help everyone every time is if I were actually God. And I'm not. There are people who have things wrong with them that are meant to be there, as hard as that might be for some mm -hmm. to digest. But the reality is sometimes we have things wrong with us because this is how we receive love and other times it's how we give it then there are those occasions where you know this isn't meant to be a part of your path and when that occurs that's when i can help so i might not be able to help everything that's wrong with a person maybe i can help some things 
or perhaps I can point you in a direction where you can help yourself. Mm -hmm. And that might be the whole reason why you've gotten this going on. It's because you needed to know if you want to be better, this is going to take action on your part. Well, that brings me to another question, because certainly people are making lifestyle choices that are a bit, I mean, they do lead to disease. You know, there are people that are constantly overeating, they're eating the food that's not good for them, Mm -hmm. it's not right for their type or their genetics or their ethnic, Uh, they're, they're just not doing what's in their own best interest. Now, when you find somebody like that and you go to help them, but they go right back to their old habits, then what? Well, then I just, you know, I've had that. I've I've had people using diet pop, for example. Um, And they can't explain, they don't understand. Why am I still gaining weight? Why do I still feel miserable? Why are my hands trembling? You're using diet pop. Mm-hmm. And I go and fix what I can and tell them, here's how you can help yourself. Uh, this one gal, well, this has happened more than just one time. But this one particular gal came back and uh, about a month and a half later. And she says, well, I've, I'm not drinking three liters of Diet Pop now. I'm only <laughs> drinking one. And I haven't lost weight. And, you know, what am I supposed to do? And I said, you're supposed to do whatever makes you happy. But if you want to be healthy, here are some things that you can try. First off, don't drink this anymore. Well, I try and it gives me a headache. Why is that? (laughs) I said, because diet pop turns into alcohol and formaldehyde in your system. The formaldehyde eats holes in your brain and your nervous system sheath linings. And the alcohol is alcohol in your brain. You you get used to a certain amount and you stop using it, then you're going to feel very uncomfortable. So why use it? That's the question. You have to detox. Mm -hmm. You have to get past this. Yeah, and I mean, I see this all the time with people. You know, they're going in and out of the hospital, in and out of the hospital. They take this drug, that drug. But it's like, gee, did you think maybe you should clean up your diet? So I was just curious if you encountered that, and you certainly do. So people have a choice. People tend to look at me like a magic bullet. They come to see me, and I'm going to be the thing that makes it all right for them. And that's not true. There is no magic bullet. There are things that I can do and have done that, you know, I could sit here for the next 12 hours and tell you one story after another of things that are just absolutely mind-blowing. But being a magic bullet isn't it. Um... Where the magic bullet really lies, if there is one, is in your ability to do something for yourself once you know what that something is. But if you don't know it, then you can't do it. And that's why I try to educate folks I work with on what they can do to make themselves better. It isn't proper that anyone would need me to the point to where they're needy. Mm-hmm. The person should become empowered as a result of their contact with me. So they're empowered to make a decision. They're empowered to go forward. They can do something for themselves in a positive way. I'm not judgmental. I'm not going to tell you, don't eat meat unless I really see you shouldn't. Or don't smoke or don't drink or whatever. 
I do all these things. I'm not going to cast any aspersions on what a person's lifestyle choices are. But if I see that something's causing a problem, it would be remiss of me to leave that out of the mm -hmm. conversation. And if I do mention it, and you don't pay attention to it, then I've done my part. This is your body. Do with it as you please. It's not going to make any difference to me. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a question that I see that comes up a lot with people that don't want to help themselves. And we all have to be willing to take responsibility for the way we take care of ourselves or don't. So it's, it's good to know that this is how you work with people. Now, you did say you're not God. But you met God when you had your near-death experience, right? Well, I don't know what it was. <laughs> that was pretty strange. <laughs> I mean, you know, how do you act when you're dead? That's one question that, you know, people probably never asked themselves. But when I fell out of that airplane hangar and I ended up sort of floating, I don't know, I was just sort of up in the air with my legs crossed looking down at myself, and I said, oh, hell, I'm dead. <laughs> And I was fascinated by this, not horrified. This voice came to me and said, Jerry, what are you doing here? And I said, well, take a look. I'm dead. <laughs> and I said, you're not supposed to be here yet. And I said, well, I'm here and it feels pretty damn good. And this voice said, no, you got to go back. You haven't even started what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. And I said, well, I don't know what that would be. He said, you have to go back right now. And at the utterance of the words now, is like I was blown out of a cannon. It was absolutely bizarre. So I don't know what that presence was that I met. Maybe it was God. I've never quite figured it out. But whatever it was, <laughs> it seemed to have the ability to throw me back in my body <laughs> without any effort at all. Yeah, and you didn't even want to go, but they said, too bad, you're out of here. Oh, it felt really great. Yeah, well, that's, that, far well, that's greater nice than to know that that, no, that no does pain, feel great. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, what happens when you die, you cross over, the, the, the veil between life and death is, is thinner than anyone knows. It is so thin. When, when you go, <clears throat> you're going to see everything that you've done. You're going to see the good things and the bad things. And it's not that someone is judging you, as the churches would have you think. No, not at all. You're going to be taking a look at what you've done through the eyes of the people that you've done this to. And you're going to feel what they felt. You're going to experience you. And when that happens, you're going to probably feel ashamed in some respects. And you're probably going to feel really good in others. Because no one is completely good or bad. But all in all, at the end of it, you're going to weigh those experiences. And in my case, I felt that I had wasted a lot of time. I could have been a much better person if I had just taken the time to think about what I was doing, been more aware. So when I came back and I remembered all these things, I've never forgotten it. It's as real in my mind right now as if it happened just moments ago. Mm. So my philosophy changed tremendously. It became a philosophy that is real basic and simple. An act of kindness is never wasted.
treat other people the way that you would like to be treated. It's like the golden rule, I suppose. Mm, yes. But in, but in every instance, do your best to be kind. Well, that sounds like yeah, a good mm -hmm. idea. It really is. Now, I want to just jump over to Peru because you've had some amazing encounters there with beings that made you put your covers up over your head <laughs> and also with a, a cocoa leaf reader who actually, and other shamans too, that identified you as an angel on earth. You have quite the amazing experiences there. And then you were standing in front of a doorway and Kathy watched you disappear. Mm -hmm. So... We only have a little bit of time, so pick one of them and tell us. <laughs> well, I think the most interesting of all of these is before I'd gotten a divorce, uh, the shaman who was reading coca leaves, <clears throat> and I'll, I'll make this brief because it is quite a lengthy story, but he basically threw the coca leaves three different times, each time shaking his head. And he's the one who said, you're an angel who walks on this earth. You're, heal. you're here to help heal the children of the earth. So I thought that was interesting because that's where I was really wanting to go with my life. And the other thing he said is, he says, you're, you, you work with electricity. You're not going to be doing that in nine months. And you're married. You won't be married in six months. And there's someone who's waiting for you. She has hair the color of gold. And she's waiting for you. If you make the right choices, then you, you'll find her. So where is she? She says she lives in the heart. So I'm thinking, oh, metaphor. So what do you mean the heart? Where does she live? And he says, took a stick, tapped it on a map of the U.S. And she says, right here. And then, no, I said, where will I meet her? And he says, right here. Well, I took a look. Well, that's Kansas City. I don't have any plans of going to Kansas City. <laughs> I said, well, where does she live at? Tapped around again. Boom, right here. She lives in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I said, well, I sure as hell don't have any desires to go to Lincoln, Nebraska. That ain't, <laughs> ain't going to happen. Oh, funny. As it turns out, I met Kathy in Kansas City because when I got home, there were tickets waiting for me to be a speaker at a conference there that I had completely forgotten about. It had happened months earlier, and there this thing between my wife at the time and I had escalated into a really rather unhappy scenario, and I completely forgotten about it. And here were the tickets. So I went. And that's where I met Kathy. And when I touched her hand to shake it, to say, hi, I'm Jerry Wills, uh, the most unusual thing happened because for a moment, this pulse of electricity went through me so strong, I, I can't explain. It's like touching a live wire without having the pain associated with that kind of current flowing through you. And the second thing that happened is that while this current is flowing, there was nothing else anywhere. Everything else vanished. It was only she and I standing there, looking at each other. I thought that was quite a thing. I didn't know until really a few years later when I decided to talk to Kathy about it. 
she was so startled by this because it happened to her too. Ah, that's neat. Yeah. And that's the reason that's the reason why she let go of my hand and said, well, nice meeting you and walked off quickly. <laughs> uh, truly a hot shot, huh? Yeah. That was yeah. quite a powerful moment. How beautiful. Did she live from did she come from Lincoln, Nebraska? Yeah, that's where she lived. Ah. <laughs> Man, that cocoa leaf guy, he was right on the money. Yeah, and he he uh, his name was Pedro. I didn't know him from anybody. I'd never met him before. Old man, Aymara Indian, from up in the Lake Titicaca region. We became friends eventually, uh, and he shared some secrets with me. And one of the secrets of the Aymara shaman were the, the gateways, the doorways. And he told me about this one. So I eventually went to it, and what he told me was to be very careful because you could be sucked into it. And I said, well, how does it work? And he says, I'll tell you. There are three tones, and if you use these three tones, the doorway will open, so be careful. Because people go up there praying and oming and whatever, and then poof, they're just gone. I mean, it doesn't happen every time, but it's a very weird place. Well, Kathy and I went there. There, there was a whole series of strange things that happened uh, before I ever got there, before Kathy was with me. But went there, it was 11 o'clock at night, really cold. I had on a white London fog jacket. My passengers, because we had trips to Peru, uh, had passengers there uh, to see this place at night, which was really very spectacular. And I decided I was going to make the tones. So I told Kathy, here's what I'm going to do. She says, okay, well, be careful. I don't think, like, I didn't think anything would happen. She didn't think anything would happen. But from her perspective, what occurred is that I started glowing, and then I was gone. Mm-hmm. And then a couple minutes later, there was another glow, and I was back. For me, I was gone for hours. And I was totally freaked out by the experience. I'll never do that again. <laughs> you learned your lesson, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. gosh. Where did you go? Did you have a sense of actually moving through time and space? Yeah, I did. I, 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 my focus was to go to the creator. So I ended up in some huge white room and a mechanical, like a, over an intercom kind of voice, having a conversation with me for hours about things and they said i said well i've got to get back i don't know i don't know where i'm at so well here's how you do it and so i did exactly what they suggested and within a short time i was back but i i was i felt that i was lost i i really felt (laughs) i felt really afraid it was it was a scary experience for me yeah, so well that the man who gave you the instructions for the tones, he wasn't kidding. He said you had to be careful, right? Yeah, and I had no idea he was he was serious. I didn't yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, you, you someone tells you something like this, it's just a block of stone with the doorway carved in it. Uh-huh. So if you're gonna be making tones and the doorway opens and it sucks you in, oh sure. That sounds like a show I saw once. But <laughs> it does it uh it happened, and 
it, it really scared the hell out of me. It really did. It was, it was just absolutely a shocker. I didn't expect it to happen. And from what you're, you're describing about this, it feels like the energy was immense. Yeah, you know, and we, we've been back there testing it. Because I tried to figure out how does this work? Because there are other doorways like it. And we've located several others like it. How does it work? So I just sort of tempt fate and make a, a couple of the tones. Because you have to make the tones over and over and over again. All three of them have to be made one after another for it to completely open and take you. But if you only make a couple of the tones, it turns on. And when it turns on, there is a physical representation that something is going on. And it's pretty wild. If people go to expeditions.tv, it's spelled with an X, it's X-P-E-D-I-T-I-O-N-S dot TV, and look at uh, the video, because we have looked for lost cities during our time together, uh, and made videos of our, of our explorations and places we found. If you look for uh, the Stargate of Aramamuru, I think it's called, um, You'll see in the video where it is and what it is and hear the story. Well, I'm going like to go there and look at it. Yeah. You definitely like to test the fates, though, don't you? Well, I figure there's two ways of living life, mm -hmm. safely and otherwise. I think you're on otherwise. <laughs> well, you, you just never know what you might do unless you try it. Very true, very true. What a fabulous experience you've had, though. I should say experiences. Yeah, and the best of all of these experiences I've had is since I've been with Kathy. Oh, that's that wonderful. Is so sweet. Yes, it really is. How nice to hear that. And it's great. You know, we've had a lot of people on the show who speak about their partners and their spouses, their wives. And it's beautiful to hear, you know, amidst all the strife in the world. It's really nice to hear mm -hmm. there is true love and that you respect each other as much as you do. It's wonderful. I've got a question for you, too. This is a little more philosophical. But before we end tonight, uh, this is Daria from Russia. And she would like to know which country or modern culture do you feel has been the most accepting of this type of healing? Wow. You know, the ones that I have spoken to in the past that have been really open are the folks in Greece. Mm. I just love Greece. And also the folks in Russia. Mm. There you go, Daria. <laughs> Yes, I think, especially in Russia, they're so far ahead of us with energy healing and things like that, way beyond mm -hmm. where we are. So, yes. Well, Jerry, this has been such a wonderful evening. I, I We hope you'll come back and talk with us again, because I know we've just barely scratched the surface on all your knowledge and adventures. But for everybody out there, please get the book, Healer, the story of Jerry Wills. You can get it on Amazon.com. And also Jerry's website is Jerry Wills, W-I-L-L-S 
Com. You can contact him for a private consultation healing. You can also sign up for his classes. And if you go to the Expeditions website, expeditions.tv, you'll be able to watch the videos of finding lost cities in Peru. Ah, it's just so exciting. Jerry, you're remarkable. Just thank you so much for joining us this evening. Well, thank you for inviting me on. I've certainly enjoyed it. Well, this has been great, and please give Kathy a big hug from us and thank her as well for all her help in arranging this. We appreciate her very much. I'll Definitely. do it. I'll yes. be in touch tomorrow. Yes, right, everybody out there, uh, we will see you on the Blue Highway. And until next week, we hope you have a great one. Next week, we are doing Soul Breathing with Carrie. It's going to be fun. Be sure to join us and take care, everybody. Good night. 